0: But episode, is this number six? Six, yes. Wow, we're just flying by here. Uh, I'm Brian, with me is Vince, as always, and we are a proud part of the Multiversity Podcast Network. Please go to multiversitycomics.com and check out all sorts of wonderful content. We have some new podcasts coming up in the next few weeks I'm very excited about from some of our friends at Multiversity, and Vince has a new podcast in the works that we're eventually going to be getting on Multiversity too, so that will be a lot of fun. Right? I hope so.
1: <laughs> might yeah. be
0: a lot of work, too. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we'll see how that one goes. That one's not music-related, but this is music-related, and so let's get right to the music. So, um, not to tip our hats too much, but you guys listened to last week. You know that Polisa is the band we're going to be talking about in the first half of this show, and they are a band from Vince's current state not his home state but his current residence of minnesota so we thought we would start off this this episode by talking about some of our favorite artists and bands from minnesota so as the resident of the twin cities why don't you go first my friend
1: yeah sure so um so uh the first band i wanted to talk about a little bit is from duluth minnesota actually which is a few hours north of the twin cities (coughs) um and they are a band named Low. You took are one you... of my five already. So there, oh, you, there go. you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So so I take it you're familiar with Low? Of course, um, yes. They they've been around for oh my gosh, the better part of two decades now. Mm-hmm. Um, they've cranked out a lot of music, um, a lot of different sounding music. I suppose they're probably best described
0: as like uh, low core, they, slow core, rather.
1: Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, but you know, they delve into, they delve into Americana Mm -hmm. from time to time. Um, they even, even early on, they're a little bit grungier. Um, not like, not like uh Seattle grunge, you know, but like post-punk, just grungy garage sound, you know? Yep. Um, since then they've, they've had some albums where they even get into like drone at times, which is weird. Um but uh their most recent album was very good it's called ones and
0: sixes it was from uh 2015 and yet maybe my least favorite album of that year i hated that album
1: no way hated
0: it yeah i love low hated that album really yeah explain why (laughs) uh it, it i thought the songs weren't there i thought the production wasn't great and i felt it took away so many things i love about low
1: pretty straightforward album so um you know it might be a good place to start but maybe i i guess i don't know you would disagree i wouldn't
0: call it straightforward at all i think it's i think it's their uh it doesn't sound like low at all that's my thing was i just felt like it didn't sound like the band i liked oh interesting
1: well you can listen to low and uh and and email uh you know which one of us you think is right about that but their album before that the invisible way is very good and, Uh and and you would probably agree with that. that... Yes, produced by Jeff Tweedy, of
0: well, though. There you go. Came out. Uh, I'm blanking on the name right now. It has my favorite Low song though, which is called "When I Go Deaf." Uh, produced by Dave Fridman The Great Destroyer, is the ah. album, and that came out in 2005. That's probably my favorite of the Low albums.
2: And I'll stop
3: writing songs. Stop scratching.
4: Whoa!
0: Excellent first choice, my friend. All right, thank you. Uh, let me try and go with somebody you're not going to expect or uh, have on your list. I'm going to go with the hip hop collective Doomtree. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with Doomtree?
1: Yes, I am. I saw them at Eau Claire at the Eau Claire Festival last year, um, and they get a ton of play on our uh, local NPR station. Okay. Uh, 89.3, the Current. Okay. By the way, streaming mm-hmm. online. Yes, I have listened watch? many times. <laughs>
5: yeah. My girl gave me a boat cutter. We love to break it. to claim all
2: the spaces. They forgot they had taken. And all this is ours. It's going to be. said we couldn't have that square the eye, right back said yeah yeah we gon' take it anyway that's that anyway we don't feed out your hand Look we built with a grain of sand it's the end of the golden era we don't find terror we define terror me and my girl we on the run but we shoot back when the lawman come hard to sleep when the darkness creeps we won't quit till the job is done we were trying to be quiet but you incited a riot conquer divided be learning, applied it, arrogance, audacity, your love from a magazine. My love loader magazine, and she be shooting all your motherfuckers. Duck Uh,
0: they are uh I believe it's seven members, five of which are MCs. The probably two best known members of the band are Dessa, who is a female. Uh, singer and rapper and POS who is uh I guess probably the most high profile of, of the MCs in the band. And uh they're they're very, very intelligent hip hop, very interesting, nothing sounds the way you expect it to. And I, I find they're um they really rap a lot about sort of the joy of being in Doomtree and not like <laughs> the not like the we love all the money that some hip hop collectives talk about but like they re- it seems like it's a really a family feel and I, I really enjoy that.
1: Yeah, for sure. And i think um uh when they when they come to the twin cities or when they perform in the twin cities that their shows feel like that too, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. they are very much um you know, we're hometown proud of them here, even though i'm not from here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what i mean? Mhm. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think they're one of those groups for people like me who maybe feel alienated by hip hop sometimes, where I feel like it's not about the things that I care about, so much of like mainstream hip hop, then I hear Doomtree Trip, like, oh yeah, this is the stuff that really resonates
2: with me ceiling, boosting the serum, so sincere brutes, new to the feeling, run on the old same bucket if you hear me, bricks for the fabric of your fiber, bricks, dips, blicks, big, brighter, bees in the trap, no bees in the hop, G for Jesus, cheese in an eye, O for OG's, Grease in the eyes, Grease in the cat, peace to the side, forgotten youth when all the mutants play Magneto, we believe the strip and never plagiarized that credo, Fashion cutter for the fascist, dirty lift and truly goony. Looney Tunes, Schooly D's come off cartoony. No king cloak and dagger, rival banger legacy. No anonymity, no forced validity. False hopes, we got ghosts, man, we got ghosts. Tough shows and rough roads, to every sign, said, go. Take the skins, hang on walls. Not
3: trophies just remind what is left to when we fall. fall. i'm pushing
4: up on your tempo she two stone nintendo i'm vince surf she pink floyd i'm jumping out the window side i'm fly i float i ride by cut my own mode get by
2: with my machos fan dismantle thrones all the fucking your station all up in your dark awkward in your mark merry conversation
0: so that's my first pick who do you have next
1: um i've got Haley bonner next uh, are you i'm familiar not with- familiar no not at all Alright, well she is a um, again, sort of Americana uh, singer-songwriter um, kind of a girl in the guitar, you know um, and she her, my favorite song by her is called Raggedy Man which is an incredibly catchy short little tune, but it's a it's a good idea of what she sounds like. It's a very twangy sort of um, folk tune.
3: Raggedy I wanna be a raggedy and yeah, so watch me go back to the place I know. There's a whole lot more in this big old world and watching myself be a raggedy girl. So you pass me.
1: Uh, and, and yeah, she's, she's actually from South Dakota, but she, she calls St. Paul her home. So have you seen her live? Yes. I heard Eau Claire as well. Oh. <laughs> this, uh, a recurring theme, um, yes, at least for the first part of my list here is kind of, um, the, the twin cities is much more incestuous than, um, I think other, uh, other metropolitans as far as their music scene is concerned. Like everybody seems to have worked with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Like, um, even though Justin Vernon is from Wisconsin, he produces like everybody's album <laughs> right, yeah. from, from these two States, you know? Yeah. He's, he's had a hand, you know, either him or people he knows have had a hand in a lot of this music. So, mm-hmm. um, uh, a lot of them ended up performing at Eau Claire last year or are going to this year. And so, um, yeah, that, that was the same, same with Lowe. They were, <laughs> they were there too. So are you going to Eau Claire this year? I am. I'm, I'm, I, Erica, my fiance and I are going to try to go every year. It's going to be our thing. Now we got engaged there and very cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to do an Eau Claire preview show or something. Yeah, I'd
1: love to. Don't you
3: love a man who
0: But peek into our process here so vince picks the album for this week i pick the album for next week and i always try and narrow down my choices and i was originally going to pick an album by this band because they are from minnesota but but then he said let's do this as a topic i thought okay i won't i won't pick something from this band now but i'm sure over the course of the life of this show i will pick something by this band they are called the bad plus Mm -hmm. they are a jazz ensemble are you familiar with the bad plus i'm familiar yes okay um i am uh I'm a huge huge fan of these guys. I one time went 6 nights in a row to see them play in New York City. Wow. Uh two sets a night for 6 nights in a row. Um you know, there is a, a piano, bass and drums. They got their start uh sort of getting famous because they cover a lot of sort of contemporary songs. Their first record they covered uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit and uh, Heart of Glass by Blondie and Slim by Apex Twin, um, and like the next album, in Iron Man by Black Sabbath and Gloria by the Pixies. I really love their originals far more than I enjoy their covers, and uh, the bass player Reed Anderson has become one of my favorite uh, songwriters on the planet. I really enjoy his compositions, and his bass playing is phenomenal as well. But the band just has, they have this very dry sense of humor, and they are uh, just incredibly amazing musicians, and they're one of the very, very few bands that I will, I have to pick up their record the day it comes out every time they release something. I had not seen them in a number of years mainly because uh kids and work <laughs> responsibilities but they are uh, one of the best live bands on the planet too. Nice. So, uh so The Bad Plus, that is my second pick.
1: I I'll, I'll have to listen to them more. I am I'm, I'm aware of them but uh yeah, I'm I'm not you you're a huge fan so I'm going to I'll check them
0: out. Like I said I'm sure they'll come up at some point in this uh in this experiment that is our show. <laughs> Uh, Caroline Smith next, um, another artist I'm
1: not familiar with. Yeah, so she is a, um, a again, <laughs> kind of a, um, kind of a folk artist, although uh, she she tries for a little bit more of a contemporary sound. Um, a little bit more um, modern and experimental um, uh, with her musicianship. she's even delved into some electronics in her uh in her music um it's a it's a more soulful type of fo- she's got a very soulful voice um,
3: ain't that how it always seems to go
1: with um a hip-hop artist from the twin
0: cities named lizzo and um, who has lizzo... a connection to Doomtree. yeah sure yeah i'm sure Lizzo was produced I... by laser beak who's a member of Doomtree. so yeah yep
1: there you go yep so um lizzo's kind of blown up right now um and they had a song together called let them say last year which is probably like i don't know how it did nationally but it was played on the radio here all the time and it's super catchy um and if you if you don't recognize it by the title or by the artists if you played it i bet you would probably recognize it
0: All right, I, I'm now gonna move into more obvious territory. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my first of the obvious choices is Husker Du. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a uh, a band that recorded for SST Records out of Southern California, along with bands like Black Flag and the Minutemen and the Meat Puppets. But you know, they were they're a Minneapolis band through and through. More of a Bob Mold guy in terms of I had to pick one of the two songwriters, I knew you would be. Are you are you more of a Grant Hart guy? <laughs> no,
1: I'm a, I'm I'm more of a neither guy. But oh really?
0: But, but I get it. Yeah. Oh okay. What is it about Who's You that doesn't appeal to you?
1: Oh no, I nothing. I don't know. I just never I never really given them a chance. I guess. Okay. I, they've never really caught my ear.
0: Okay. I um right before my wife was like maybe six months pregnant with our daughter with our daughter our older kid and I decided that I didn't. I was too woefully ignorant on punk. Uh So I bought every Black Flag, Minutemen, and Husker Du record. And for a month, that's all I listened to. Mm. And I came out on the other side huge fans of those three bands. I was already a Minutemen fan, but I came out huge. I think of all three bands, I now listen to Husker Du the most.
1: Really? Yeah.
0: See, I get the Minutemen for whatever reason, but Uh I don't know. Part of it is that the, the records were not produced all that well and so it's not like a sonically interesting experience sometimes. They're very washed out I think in the mix, but I really really uh I really love Husker Du and uh I'll that's another band we'll have to maybe delve into in the future. better with age in terms of his songs Uh, his new albums came out last week it's called patch the sky and I think it's an incredibly strong collection of songs so I saw him a couple years ago. There's a place in New York called City Winery, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's a restaurant and winery in like the middle of downtown Manhattan. And there's probably 150 seats at tables or at the bar, and you can just sit there and drink really good wine and listen to people play music. Uh-huh. And it was a great show. It was it was it was the loudest show I think I've ever been to when it was just one guy with a guitar, but he had an electric guitar that was distorted and it was like painfully loud. But it was still a lot of fun. <laughs> so yeah, Who's Creedo, my third pick. Uh, who do you have for your number four pick? I've got the Hold Steady. Um, okay, I purposely held <laughs> off picking them because I knew you would. Yeah, yeah.
1: They're they're kind of interesting because um, Craig Finn kind of uh, defines them as both a New York City band and a Minneapolis yep. band. But if you listen to their music, by far uh, the, the, the most locations and things like that that they reference all the time uh, are places in the Midwest, most specifically, um, St. Paul or Minneapolis, like mm-hmm. so many of their songs contain like streets that I drive down all the time, you know, and locations that I could tell you exactly where they are on a map of the twin cities, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, so regardless of, of, you know, what they call themselves at any given time or where they're currently, um, you know, laying their head, I think they're a a Twin Cities band at heart. That, like there was a time in college when um, they were like everything to me because <laughs> uh uh Craig Finn, first of all, he's got this very like talky style when yep. he sings, you know, he doesn't have much of a voice, um, although he's getting better, he is, he's taking lessons, um, but you know, he very much he's telling you a story and he's telling it to you in sort of a sing songy talking fashion, and then behind it are these huge guitars that just like (laughs) rip like um, (laughs) Van Halen style or something, you know, at (laughs) times, you know, it's really weird. It's like, um, it's, it's, it's such a strange combination because they sound like they could be like a hair band at times.
0: They're classic Uh, rock for the indie rock sect.
1: Yeah, there you go. Yeah. They, they describe themselves as a bar band. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's totally fitting, even though it's become a cliche, I think. Um, at times, but uh, but another thing that's great about them, which isn't true anymore, but on some of their older stuff, um, they had some great piano, yes, that would, that would run over all their stuff, and and that is missing right now, um, because uh, Franz Nicolai was their pianist and or keyboardist, and he uh, went Franz off Franz to do Nikolai his own and thing, so
2: and they've been missing him ever since. And he was Tired of all the dehydration. Most nights you kind of fuzzy, but the last night you total retention. And these Twin City kisses—they sound like clicks and hisses. Now we crumble into dust We get wet and we corrode And now we're covered up in rust We drink and we dry up And now we crumble into dust We get wet and we corrode And now we're covered up in rust She was a really cool kisser And she wasn't all that strict of a Christian But,
1: uh, but boy, that really adds like, like think Springsteen, that's kind of an, a cliche a comparison to make, but think, think about Springsteen and the keys that sometimes go through some of his mm-hmm. anthems. Uh, it's it's very much the same thing. And it's these like weird stories about <clears throat> growing, like going through your 20s or whatever and being like drunk or drugged up and losing your way and then finding your way and and uh they're all very
0: redemptive.
1: Very redemptive, yeah. That's the yep, yep, yep. Ultimately you gotta stay positive, Brian. Yep. That's the
2: <laughs> that is their mantra they and their album title. To scriptures. <laughs> we gotta stay positive. <laughs> 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 we gotta stay positive. <laughs>
0: Uh, this one, you're not going to think is a nice choice, uh, because I have chosen uh, Prince, the the purple one himself. The and, artist. The artist, Minnesota's favorite son, except for Vince. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, we, we have to kind of get into this for a second, because I am a gigantic Prince fan. Actually, my brother was visiting this weekend, and we talked about Prince for like an hour in regards to music for his wedding, because he's getting married this summer and I'm DJing his wedding. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, you know, all Prince all the time. Essentially, and his fiance had to be like, no, not so much for all Prince all the time. <laughs> but so what is it about Prince that you don't get or don't like or don't relate to?
1: Well, first of all, I think he's a tremendous musician. Like, I think that much is obvious, mm-hmm. you know? But my problem with him is that um, not a single song that he's ever written, and I can tell you this because I've listened to Enough of it uh-huh. has ever connected with me on a lyrical level or on like a thematic or like spiritual level. Like, like I just don't connect with his music at all. It doesn't mean anything to me. And I don't have that emotional connection to it at all, no matter how much I try. And like, I can watch somebody from the twin cities listen to a Prince song and be like swept away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I'm just like, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Like, like there, there's nothing about it. It's, it's good musicianship and it's like essentially lyrics and music that has no, connection or through line to my emotional
0: wavelength do you even think it's like good shake your ass music because there to me there's some like undeniable dance stuff in there
1: yeah but, but
0: uh, yes but but it's like
1: my least like like i don't know when i think of dance music too like there there's almost anything else i would rather like i can't deny that there's there's a beat to it that you can dance to you know but like i'd almost rather be listening to anything else you can dance to
0: As you're saying these things, the, the list of artists that I feel this way about that, you know, that you'll crucify me for one day are, are you know, flowing through my head. So I get it. It's just that to me, it's like he's one of those artists that I feel like when I was when I was younger and I'm a little bit older than you. uh, So maybe this is something that maybe this debate wasn't something that you experienced firsthand. But there was a big who's better, Michael Jackson or Prince debate oh. that was like and people still talk about it. But it was it was. It was like a raging point of discussion for many, many years. And I feel like I was always in the Michael Jackson camp until I turned about 20. And then I was like, oh no, this isn't even close. Prince wins this, like, hands down, without a fight. And then the more I've dug into Prince's music, the more I've appreciated it. And like he's an incredibly frustrating artist to like for a number of reasons. But to me, his music is ultimately very rewarding. And so it's uh, it's interesting to hear this, but... I will uh, I will not try and convert you tonight <laughs> to to my cause here. See, and I'd, but, uh, I'd take Michael every time. And again, I don't think that that's necessarily a wrong answer in so much as I think that if you're talking about just their peak, it's a much closer battle than maybe I'm willing to admit. Uh-huh. But I think Michael Jackson's peak is two and a half albums long. And Prince's is two and a half decades long, <laughs> so there's a big difference there for me in terms of quality. Sure, okay. And see, see,
1: his what Prince's peak is doesn't even register for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I? Can we go on a sh- small diversion here for a second? Absolutely. Just taking up time, but uh, what
0: is our show if not a series of small diversions? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> have you heard Prince?
1: <laughs> this is maybe the thing that killed him entirely for me. Okay. Have you Have you heard his Minnesota Vikings theme? No, but I know you have. <laughs> okay, so just to make a long story short, the Vikings back in two thousand nine, I want to say, mm-hmm. were um, were. A, a pretty good team. They had they had Brett Favre um, at the time. It, it was his first year with the Vikings, and, and he was doing pretty well. You know,
0: I forgot he was even on the Vikings. Yeah,
1: yeah, that was his big year to like show up the Packers for you yeah. know moving on and whatnot. Because then he went to the Jets. He went to the Jets he... first. Oh, sorry.
0: This is this is post Jets. This is uh, okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so okay. so and they were um, they were really good. They beat the Packers twice. He played phenomenal. Uh, my Packers, by the way, for anyone that doesn't know. I, I, I was born in For anyone who, anyone, anyone who doesn't follow you once Twitter. <laughs> yeah, yep. And uh and they were they they were in the playoffs and Prince wrote a um a Vikings anthem and maybe you know maybe God bless him that he did because they ended up flaming out in the playoffs <laughs> far through like a game killing interception in the final moments of that game. And the Saint, it was the year the Saints ended up winning the Super Bowl. And they lost to the Saints. But anyway, the, the thing about Prince's song is that the Vikings were doing really well. And it was supposed to be a Vikings fight song. Right. If you've never listened to it, it sounds like a funeral dirge. Like, it's like so slow. And it's just like... Vikings, whatever, you know, it's, it is so terrible. Like, it's probably the worst thing he's ever done. And it's a gimmick song to begin with, you know, Right. but it's horrible. I mean, it it probably single-handedly killed their season. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure, are you familiar with Marlins Will Soar?
1: Oh, I love Marlins Will Soar. Let's play ball, it's game day Exactly We watch strikeouts, base hits, double plays
0: You know sing, so, many, you know so many Scott Staff lyrics, I love yeah, it I could sing the whole thing <laughs> <laughs> Let's play ball, it's game day We watch
2: strikeouts, beast hits, double please Take the field,
4: hear the roar of the crowd
0: proud. <laughs> the Marlins have never made anyone proud and they've won two world series in 20 years. <laughs> oh, My favorite thing
1: about that song is like the sound effects he throws in. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Let's play ball. game day. And it's like the crack of the bat. Just like, yep. it's perfect. Oh God. That's the best. I, I, I very much ironically love Scott Stapp. Ironically. That's the key.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh what's what what's your fifth and final minnesota choice my for final
1: choice is the great robert zimmerman himself bob dylan yeah of course yeah he's um he's <laughs> in some ways he couldn't get the hell away from minnesota fast enough yeah <laughs> but uh but nonetheless um uh you know i i live just a few miles from where he supposedly uh you know s- struck out his the initial part of his uh uh musical career before moving to to new york and blowing up and becoming you know one of the greatest and most famous musicians ever you know um mm-hmm. uh and and i i love him i mean there's nothing about him to me that's overrated um I think he's got such an, an original infidels. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> <Brian>. <laughs> um,
0: I'm just messing with you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I mean that there's a guy that, that has, I mean, he's put out so much music that obviously there's going to be some, some low points. Yeah. But I think he, he's got, you know, he's got, 20 songs that you can put up there among the best songs of all time you know Mm -hmm. like whatever he whatever other sins he's committed including his current touring uh
0: style yeah uh i don't know if you have you seen him i've seen him twice yeah Yeah. uh i saw him in 2000 and then again in 2000 and maybe six or seven and in 2000 his voice was starting to go Uh uh-huh and by 2007 it was like a grumbly mess. Yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. That's kind of where he's at right now. We saw him a couple of years ago and um you know, it was still it was still something to see him live. Oh yeah. But yeah. uh
0: but was he only playing keyboards at that point? He was, yeah, yep. He was kind of Be- just standing there and Because he's he's now gone back to playing a little bit of guitar. Oh, okay. Um but, but he for for like 5 or 6 years he didn't touch a guitar on stage. Interesting. He just played this organ that sounded like it was the, like a ballpark organ, <laughs> yeah. Like it, you know, like a really weird sound for Dylan to be playing, and that's all he touched on stage. And a harmonica, he played a lot of harmonica too. Yeah,
1: he's definitely a guy that that, uh, especially in the last decade or so, uh, just does things for himself, you know, and to keep mm-hmm. it, to keep himself
0: interested. And he can certainly afford to do that. But... Did you read President Obama's quote about him recently? No. He was honored at, I think it was the Kennedy Center Honors, perhaps? I think I saw a
1: silly picture of him with a medal around his neck or something.
0: And uh, Obama said that, you know, there's there's a photo session before the event every year for people to come and get their photos taken with the president. And Dylan didn't show up to it. He didn't show up to rehearsal. Like, his band was there, but he wasn't there. He just showed up when it was time to perform he did. He walked over to the president. He winked and smiled and shook his hand, and he was gone. <laughs> and he said, "Like that's the way you want to meet Bob Dylan." Sure. Like it was. It was like the perfect Bob Dylan interaction, and I can't disagree with that.
1: Yeah. No. I mean. Yeah. I I, I, I feel like if Bob Dylan walked up and called me a piece of shit and then like walked away, that would be, that would be how I'd want to meet him uh, for sure. So yeah. I, you know. <laughs> he just. He's just he's he's he seems like such like a grump like yep just in the way he carries himself but then he does a christmas album and shoots a music video for uh uh you know a song about santa claus must it be santa must be santa yep my daughter loves that song <laughs> yeah sure yeah yeah
2: That's a mixin' I Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon it, and your dancer, that's and Fix Conor, Reagan, Bush, and Clinton When you stay come my way Ho, 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 cherry nose Cap on head, suit that's red Special night, beer that's white Must, be Must be Santa Must be
3: Santa Must be Santa, Santa Claus Must be Santa Must be Santa Must be Santa, Santa Claus
2: Oh, Jerry knows.
1: Peter <laughs> white. That's right. Whatever. Yeah. There you go. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but I mean, back in the '60s and '70s, what a great lyricist, you know.
4: Oh yeah. So-
5: Early one morning, the sun
4: was shining. I was laying in bed, wondering if she'd changed at all. If her hair was still red. Her folks they said our lives
2: together sure was gonna be rough. They never did like Mama's homemade dress. Papa's book wasn't big enough. And I was standing on the side of the road, rain falling on my shoes. Heading up for the East Coast, Lord knows I paid some dues. Getting through, tangled up in blue.
4: She was married when we first met, soon to be divorced.
0: I even really enjoy his um, his kind of most recent, not not the Sinatra album. He just he's releasing his, he's releasing his second Sinatra album in a few months. But um, the ones right before that, he kind of did a, a trilogy of albums. Um, Modern times and Love and Theft, and those. And I think there's a lot of really good songs on those albums. And I think that they're really well produced. And I think they're recorded beautifully. I think his voice is by far the weakest part of all of those. Mm-hmm. But I think you could probably have said that his, his entire career. But now is the only time it really has bothered me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would agree.
2: Spirit on the water Darkness on the face of the deep I keep thinking about you, baby And I can't hardly sleep I'm traveling by land Traveling through the dawn of the day You're always on my
0: Okay so that was going to be one of my choices but I thought you might cover him mm-hmm. so I just want to say I'm not choosing them but it's probably blasphemy in your part that so we didn't pick the replacements <laughs> uh, although I do enjoy the replacements uh-huh. um, but we didn't we didn't pick them Alex Chilton is one of my favorite songs of all time but you know whatever. I'm going to pick a band that really I'm only a huge fan of of one of their albums, and that band is the Jayhawks. Oh, Are you familiar with the yeah, Jayhawks?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, they were, um, they'd probably be my sixth pick if I...
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when I was a senior in college, they released their Rainy Day music album, mm-hmm. and a friend of mine turned me on to that, and that was my... To me, that's like the soundtrack to my second semester of senior year.
4: Pretty little head, Don't do what it used to Can't disguise a living All the miles that you've been through Looking like a train wreck Wearing too much makeup burden that you carry More than one soul could ever bear so sad, don't look, so Sam Marina There's, There's another part to, to play. So sad, don't look, so Sam Marina, save it for a rainy day, save it for a rainy day. Save it for, for a rainy day.
0: Um I, I had to take a bus, an a overnight bus home for a funeral. And I listened to the Jayhawks like the whole bus ride. So I have this very like romantic, sad memory of of the Jayhawks. And that Rainy Day music album is, is still an album I reach for a lot that's very important to me. Uh and I, I I have other Jayhawks records and I like other Jayhawks records, but that's the one that to me, you know, I always come back to. Sure. Um they're a band that I think just in the last five or so years just reunited, right? And started doing some more stuff. Yeah,
1: yep, yep yep they put out an album in 2011 that was pretty big here
0: mm-hmm. and
1: oh god i don't know what they're doing right now except that i'm pretty i believe
0: sure. they're releasing a new album actually. are they
1: okay and i'm pretty yeah. sure they're still touring because i i thought either last year or the year before
0: they they were um in the twin cities again so yeah i believe peter buck from rem just produced their new album oh that's i think i did hear that yep
4: From the train in Manchester, England Lightning fills the sky As I watch you wave goodbye From the mountains to the prairies Little babies Figures fill their heads Visions painted in red I don't know what day it is We got this far All I know is I'm loving you For all the right reasons My sky will always be my morning star
0: I'm not mistaken, I believe that's the case, so Yeah, that's my fifth band, the Jayhawks nice. So, I think we, we, we have a pretty interesting list here Mm-hmm if they weren't the topic of tonight's show, would Polisa have been on your list? Um
1: yeah, I think I would have yeah. I'd have slotted them in there. I'd have replaced Caroline Smith or Haley Bonner with
0: them, probably. Okay. But yeah. All right, so let's let's talk, Polisa. What's your history with the band? Because my history with the band started this time last week when you told me that the album was we're gonna listen to. I yeah. I had I'd heard of them, but had never heard any of their music to my knowledge.
1: Uh-huh. So, um uh actually I my history with them oh man it goes back to um so the lead singer um Chani Linnea uh she was originally in a group um kind of a folk rock group in the Twin Cities uh named Roma de Luna I mean around here anyway. When I was in college, I went to the University of Minnesota uh Twin Cities for my schooling and after I graduated, they broke up. And
0: have you always blamed yourself?
1: I blamed <laughs> uh graduating from school. Yeah, yeah, it was like a seminal time that that totally changed everything. And um anyway, then, you know, out of that like the very next year, that she um she and uh, Ryan Olson, um, who does the um, production on, the, on Polisa's albums, uh, came out with this group, Polisa, and um, totally sounded like, doesn't sound like, like Roma De Luna. And, um, you know, is much more electronic and, uh, and very beat heavy. And I was like an instant fan because like, so like a female voice over like murky beats and stuff, uh, murky electronic beats, mm-hmm. um, is very much my thing. And, uh, their first album, give you the ghost had like a bunch of singles that got rotation around here. That was back in 2012. Um, dark star was probably their, um, most well-known song from that period. worldly. um you know her voice was different too like like she she started singing in this very like muted style like she's actually got quite a quite a good voice but for polisa she almost stays in this um sort of mysterious droning um range i guess you would say and uh, and, and used auto-tune to sort of distort it and give it effect when she doesn't need auto tune, you know, you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like, but the effect that like, she, um, worked a lot with, again, Justin Vernon from Bon and he uses auto tune all the time. And they, so they, you know, they use auto tune for effect. And I think there's some of the best, it's some of the, it's some of the best examples of using auto tune, to effect. Um, now you don't hear as much of that on the new album.
0: Uh, there's some pitch shifting of vocals.
1: Yeah, there is. There's a little bit of that, mm-hmm. but uh, but there's not straight up auto tune.
0: I don't think. I didn't hear any.
5: So so sad, so It's so sharp.
1: it's so sad. So 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 yeah, whereas that was that categorized them back in 2012. That was very much indicative of their sound. Um, but that was, you know that was like coming off of Kanye using it. And so many people were using it, um, you know, to either success or failure, you know, and mm-hmm. I, and I thought they were one of the best sounding bands that was using auto tune um, pretty heavily. And so um, I guess that's my relationship with Polisa. Um, But I've, I've been a big fan all the way through. Uh, Give you the ghost. And then Shulamith in 2013, <laughs>
0: Uh, what do you think? Well, it's interesting. I, um, you know, there, there is, there is a couple of things that I do when listening to new albums that I think give me a good indication of sort of how I'm going to feel about the album. And one of the first things I do is I'll put it on when I'm at work. And I just kind of see and I wait to see if something's going to grab me out of my out of my workday activities, you know, whether it's a song or a sound that's gonna make me stop what I'm doing and say, Oh, this is really interesting. What is this? And the first time I listened to the album, that didn't happen. Um I, I felt it was pleasant, it was nice, but it didn't it never like jarred me out of my, you know, emailing whatever I was doing at work at the moment. But the more I listened to it, you know, parts of it really grew on me and I think that a lot of the production on it is really interesting. Uh I, I don't think it's a great album. I think it's a good album and I think that there are some there are some great moments on it but I, I don't think that overall it's a uh, it's a great album. I, I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of moments on the album that that don't necessarily work for me. Mm-hmm. Um but I think my biggest kind of maybe criticism of the album overall is just that I I feel that there's not There are very few moments that I feel are really standout moments. Everything I like about the album is very subtle and is... um, Everything I really like, I gained on subsequent listens. Let's put it that way. I don't think it's a very immediate album. Let let me say that. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What what do you think? I do agree. I think if you... um if you listen to, to give
1: you the ghost, which is their, their debut from, from 2012, as I mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, that album has a lot more, uh, trickery to it. I would say, you know, not only the auto tune, but, but some of the, um, some of the beats and the choruses are very catchy. Uh, whereas on United crushers, um, I think it's extremely subtle. I think that's the right word for it. You know, Mm -hmm. um, there's nothing that's trying to show off here um it's 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 kind of and sh- so um the lead singer was pregnant during the making of this album mm-hmm. and actually i they played at Eau claire and <laughs> uh and she was pregnant there on stage like doing these songs you know mm-hmm. and it was it was really interesting because um, she was wearing a, I believe she was wearing a Tamir Rice shirt, mm-hmm. um, at the time as well. And you really got a sense that these new songs were, um, uh, there was some sort of sense of dread, you know, Okay. you're right. You're right. It's not an immediate sounding album. Um, I think give you the ghost sound. If, if you go back and listen to their earlier stuff, I think it sounds a lot more immediate. This is very pensive but not necessarily in a bad way Mm -hmm. but what i imagined when i was listening to it um was somebody who's bringing somebody a life into the world you know Mm -hmm. and it's a pretty frightening world you know and uh and the album itself is kind of about she says it's kind of about minneapolis and some of the um trials and tribulations of the city, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't, I mean, I've lived here for 10 years now and, but I don't really know what that means. But if you take a more global or like more, um, national perspective on that, it's, it's the same problems that people see anywhere. Right. Right. Yeah. And in that way, it's almost fitting that it's not, um, as catchy as their other albums or that it's not, you know, there's nothing on here that you would maybe identify as a single. I don't think, but I do get this, the, the overlying sense of dread and like the, the, um, intimacy of, you know, ha- of having a child, you know, I can feel that on this album. And so I agree with, I totally agree with you. Like there's, there's nothing that's going to stand out if you're casually listening to this, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, sitting down and listening to it with headphones, I'd say about half the tracks I really got into, and the other half I I wouldn't have much to say about. And we can talk about some of those songs
3: too. But
0: yeah, I, I do want to talk about sort of the, the the lyrical theme of the having a baby thing because that is you know that is something that's very very relevant to my life right now. As I yeah. have a, a you know, today, my son turns five weeks, so this is something that's that's very relevant to me. And I guess part of this is that I'm I'm a bit of a Pollyanna, uh, you know, in my life. And I, I know uh, we were just doing our, our other podcast earlier, and I, I was joking that I bring an East Coast edge to what I do. But, you know, but I'm all bluster. I'm really a very positive person. And I think that sometimes I tend to look at the world through this incredibly positive lens. And so the experience of having kids, to me, has not – I mean, there are certainly moments when you're thinking, you know – you know, when 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 Ferguson happened, you're like, "Why the fuck am I raising kids in the United States?" Or when Donald Trump is happening, you're thinking, "Okay, it, I don't want my son's first election of his life to be the Trump election." Like, you know, I I understand that, but I don't I don't come at it with the dread. I come at it from the joy perspective, I guess more. Uh-huh. So I did not get that vibe from the album. Um, like, okay. if, if 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 you didn't tell me she just had a baby. And if I didn't do a little bit of reading after hearing the album a few times and did reading about it, I wouldn't think like, oh, this is obviously a pregnancy album. Sure. I wouldn't have gotten that vibe. And I have to say, actually, that's that's one of my comments about the album. And this is not a good thing or a bad thing. But so many of the you – know, I, I made the mistake last week of after listening to the album one time doing some reading about it. I didn't want to do that. So I listened to the album four or five times, and then I started doing some reading about it. And every review I read really focused on her lyrics. Uh And I sat there and I thought, I can't name you one lyric from this album. (laughs) Like, to me, the lyrics just don't jump out in the way that I think for other artists they do. Sure. And uh, so I, I did not think about the lyrics until going onto their website and actually reading the lyrics along with the album. And then you begin to see some of those things that you're talking about, sort of the dread and the fear and the the trials and tribulations of maybe urban living, or if not urban living, at least, um, you know, just the challenges of living among other people. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think all those themes are very much there when you have the lyrics in hand, but I don't know if anything about the music really suggests those things... You know, without super deep scrutiny. Sure. Um,
1: Yeah, I get that, and and you know her lyrics are, um, they're very much like if you if you look line by line, they're pieces of ideas. mm -hmm. It's it's almost as if, um, and and I kind of like this. Oh, I,
0: I I really enjoyed the lyrics. I did once I started reading them, I really did enjoy them.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm glad to hear that because I like that style. It, I think that style works. For a um, for a band that relies heavily on on electronics and beats and mm-hmm. you know things like that and uh, it's it's not you know it's not a singer songwriter style but it's bits and pieces of ideas that you need to parse out you know um, and and I think she's got a unique voice but you can't always understand what's being said you know and and then when you read the lyrics you get it i mean for me police is more about a feel than mm-hmm. it is about you know picking out lyrics or hooks you know there's no there's not a lot of hooks on this album um i think sometimes she does some things with her voice that i'm glad she's you know little lilts and things like that uh um that she does uh vocally that she didn't get to show on earlier albums because mm-hmm. uh, the aforementioned um auto tune and things like that kind of took care of it for her. Um, so she, she got to do a little more this time around in that regard. Um, but to me, it's the overall picture. It's the overall, like what I, what I like about their albums is that they're very thematic the entire way through. And to some people that, that can sound like, um, you know, a lot of the same, Mm -hmm. but for me, it's a nice, you know, 40 minute sit down. Um, very much focused on one theme and one sound that I really dig. Like this is, this is kind of one of my platonic ideals as far as the way that music sounds mm-hmm. to me. So, I mean, it kind of connects with me on that level. Can I in a ask the way that I... Prince does? <laughs> okay, that's
0: fair. Uh, can I ask a question about their live show? Sure. Yeah. So in doing some reading about the, the album and the band, it seems like there, there's two drummers, there's a bass player and there's the lead singer D- does she play an instrument on stage
1: no nope she she just sings
0: so most of the um, so most of the sort of textures and all that are not played live
1: no no yeah they okay, so have that a, would
0: instantly yeah. turn me off okay from from a, from a live act perspective uh-huh, uh, that would instantly uh-huh. turn me off I think
1: see none of that bothers me like I could I' like I could watch somebody stand up there with a keyboard and, or like a, um, like a laptop. I mean, like, I mean, like a laptop keyboard, <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: and and you know, like diddle away at it. That's totally
0: fine with me. See that that really bothers me. Not that not bo- that's that's the wrong word. That's not my thing. Sure. Yeah. Like, like one one of my favorite things about seeing live music is the unpredictability of it. Okay. How you never know what's gonna happen next. Guitar player can break a string. Uh <laughs> they could decide to, to to jam on something for a long time and keep going, or they can cut a song short. And when you're dealing with pre recorded backing tracks, it eliminates all of that from it. Uh-huh. And it locks everybody into a role that is essentially either replicating the record or replicating what they think the live performance should be. Sure. And so that that holds no appeal to me. I don't mind it like I don't mind electronic music and I know that there's people out there who could go and watch a girl talk behind a, a, uh, a laptop and really enjoy that. That's not how I want to spend my live music experience.
1: doesn't bother me at all i i enjoy the the type of thing that you're talking about the Mm -hmm. unpredictability you know but also when i go to see an artist that i enjoy Mm -hmm. it's about (laughs) a sense of community unless people are total assholes you know (laughs) but like in enjoying the same type of music with a crowd of people that i don't know is appealing and then just appreciating the artist, you know, even if a lot of what they do is pre-recorded, like just being in that setting and and watching the artist give their music to us, you know. That that holds an appeal. You know, just because they're not necessarily playing an instrument on stage doesn't make much of a difference for me, but you and I are Two different souls, my friend.
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, I I understand that in principle, I mm-hmm. do. But like, so this past summer, I covered there was a festival called the Four Knots Festival in New York City, and there were like ten or eleven bands playing, and uh-huh. the headlining band was Super Furry Animals, and they hadn't played New York in like fifteen years or something like that, ten years, whatever it was. And I was very excited about it until I realized that they were playing to a backing track the whole time, uh. and then I left because I was <laughs> like, well. I heard the one song I wanted to hear. I'm not going to sit around and watch them pretend they sound better than they do. incredible visceral live shows and then to see like a bunch of middle-aged dudes uh get helped by computers just didn't didn't hold an appeal to me so you know i um you know again i don't i don't begrudge the opinion it's just something i don't i don't particularly dig sure um so that would be interesting to me this for this as a live act um the other comment i had about their lineup is i think it's really interesting that there's two drummers in this band because I don't particularly hear parts that I would think would be played by two drummers. Uh-huh. Um, Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You hear it in parts, definitely, but like when I think two drummers, I think of like Radiohead's The King of Limbs, which is like beat-you-over-the-head syncopation between two drummers, where there's this interplay that could not be done by one drummer. Especially because they're using pre-recorded elements, I find it interesting that that's the area in which they double up on stage. I find it very interesting.
1: Yeah, you know, when I saw when I saw them at Eau Claire, I want to say that they didn't. I almost want to say that they didn't even have one drummer. <laughs> really? Okay. Cause... I think I think that I think at the time I think that was true at a certain time, mm-hmm. but I don't know if at this particular festival, if it was mostly just pre-recorded. Then. Okay. Um gosh, for some I reason that bothers
0: me less than. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why.
1: I guess I just can't I guess I just can't remember exactly. We were uh, we were sweltering in the heat and waiting for Sufjan to come. So, <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> um, um who also does some pre-recorded stuff.
0: See, uh, I haven't seen him live in uh oh, a decade, maybe more. Sure. The last time I saw him was the Illinois tour. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know if he was doing that at that point. I don't think he was. I think he, at that point it was just a live band. He was but a little boy. Um, then. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, no. So, um, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess they're drumming. See, I guess the comparison I would make would be to like a Radiohead style of drumming, but I guess I wouldn't have guessed that there were two drummers either, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know if that, I don't know if that holds true anymore. I know
0: there are two drummers on the record. Okay. Um, yeah, you because know, I I was researching that and I thought yeah that's there are certain parts where you're like okay now I can hear what each of them are doing but there's parts I definitely don't hear that mm-hmm. um, which again, isn't necessarily a knock it's just, I just I wouldn't have expected that to be the lineup you know that's that's more of what I was saying with it sure um but let's talk about some of the songs that we did like because there were there are four songs in this album that i really really love um, okay good. and i, wa- I want to see if, if these songs line up at all with, with ones you love the first one is the second track lime habit yes yeah first bit of the album that I heard because I was editing our last week's episode and I had to pull up a piece from that album to, to kind of tease and I just liked the name of the song so mm-hmm. I started there and I really liked how dense the production was in the beginning of the song I really liked the, the beat and the the sort of uh you know melodic elements there before the vocals come in and the vocals come in and they're they're just kind of they're, they they sh- they're clear like a bell it's really a really I really really dug that song
1: yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a, a that's a gorgeous song. Um, I said earlier that, that, that there's not really a, uh, a single, like a song that sounds appropriate to be a single uh, on this album, but I guess the closest thing would be this, this song, which oddly enough, they released it as their single. So, mm-hmm. um, but yes, I agree with everything you said there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't really have anything to add
0: actually. Okay. <laughs> What's one of your favorite songs on the album? Uh,
1: one of my favorite
0: songs is Wedding. Me too. That's also on my list.
1: Yeah. So that is a, um, that's, if if you want to know what I'm talking about when I talk about this, like sense of dread, I guess that song kind of contains a bunch of that, um, you know, stuff about uh, God being so silent, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it actually paints this pretty horrifying picture um, I'm pretty sure some of it uh, talks about uh, cocaine and, um, and you know, uh, just, you know, living in a, in a horrible part of the city, uh, potentially, you know, where you're, um, you know, there's police corruption and things like that. <laughs> and I just imagine, like, her bringing a child into that world and, and what she was thinking about at the
3: time, you know. <laughs> Whoa!
1: I think it's one of the catchier songs on the album, too, uh, from a beats perspective.
0: I think it maybe might have her, her strongest vocal, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I, I re- yeah Oh, go ahead. No, what I was going to say about that one was, that to me, that was the song that didn't necessarily stand out until my like seventh or eighth listen. I'm like, oh, no, this is an amazing song. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's the sequencing of the album that it just didn't stand out the first few times I heard it. But mm-hmm. now that's the song that I think probably speaks the loudest to me sure. when I listen to it. Um, but the other one that would kind of fit right in with that, and I believe uh, I don't have the album up in front of me, but I will in just a second. I believe it's the song that directly follows that. And that is Melting Block. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Is, was that correct? Yes. Right after that. And that's a song that really is about sort of the urban, uh, so living in an urban area that isn't maybe doing so well to me that's the song that made the the city living the most the most clear uh on the record and you know that's i i do not live in a city right now i live my backyard is is on a lake and i live kind of in the middle of the sticks but at one point in my life i lived in in downtown pittsburgh in a in a pretty bad neighborhood uh, or adjacent to a pretty bad neighborhood i should say and so I definitely recognized a lot of my college years in in this song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really, really enjoyed the drums on this song quite a bit. Yeah. Or no, uh, yeah, it was. Yep,
1: yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, I think, um, I think there's a lot of good imagery in this song. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it contains the lyric, uh, United Crushers, which sort of uh, alludes to, um, I think the people that, like, I suppose you would say the one percent or whatever, yeah, that are correct. You know, when you talk about lyrics like this, it makes them sound so cheesy, you know, but it really doesn't come off like that. No, it doesn't at all. It doesn't Uh, at all. I I, I, I
0: think she does a really nice job of framing these kind of big issues in a very personal way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think by I think by sort of um, uh, you know, cutting bits and pieces these are almost like um, collage Mm
3: -hmm.
1: uh, lyrics at times, you know, where where each line is sort of a different bitter piece. It, it doesn't make for this like overt story that it's telling, you know, mm-hmm. and rather you get a picture of a bunch of different things that describe the overall theme of the song, which, um, you know, in this case is sort of the, the dread of being crushed by, um, you know, an urban setting that's, right. that's not, not really conducive to raising a kid or something like that, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's up? Uh, um, what's one more that spoke to you? Uh,
1: one more song that I really liked was lately, uh, which is track number seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is, it's the first. So I, I would say it's the first song on the album that sounds significantly different from what came before. Um, it's kind of a lighter Song it's not so it's not so dread f- filled, mm-hmm. you know. If
3: it's gone, it's gonna stay it's gonna
1: Songs on this album that is about like actually being comfortable in the position you're in, you know, right. and, and not feeling that sense of dread. So it's kind of, it kicks off the second half of the album and it kind of gives a different feeling. That's by the time it gets there, it's refreshing. So
0: that's interesting. M- my song was, um, again, very different because I felt it was, it was probably the least densely recorded and that's fish on the griddle. Mm. It's very, very spare and very, very um I guess slinky maybe is a word for it. Like it's 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 a lot of bass and drums and it just felt very uh not necessarily lyrically, but it felt very sonically refreshing to me. Uh-huh. Because it didn't sound like anything else that came before it really. It was very clean and very clear and I really enjoyed that at that place in the album as well.
1: Sad's the word, but like,
0: <laughs> oh, it's not, it's not, it's not happy.
1: No, no, <laughs> it's, um, y- yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a, again, another sort of, um, um, pessimistic view on the state of things, I think, mm-hmm. a little bit,
0: yeah. Oh, it's absolutely, yeah. Um, now you had said something interesting earlier, you said that there were a bunch of songs that didn't really speak to you. Mm-hmm. is there a sort of through line for those songs or is it just you know little things here and there
1: oh no I just think I think some I think some of the lyrics on this album are a little bit more obtuse mm-hmm. a little too obtuse for their own good okay um, that's not to say that they're they don't necessarily mean anything I just I just wasn't able to get inside them you know right. yeah um, I'm thinking about something like Top Top Coat
3: yeah.
1: You know, it didn't didn't really stay I mean, it's more of a it's more of a matter of some songs just didn't stand out while while others did. You know. Yeah. And I think that's the thing about Polisa. like like it's all very much on the same wavelength. And so I can sit and listen to the album uh, all the way through, and it's not like there are any bad songs on it. It's just that you know there are going to be a bunch that don't stand out.
0: That's fair. Uh, I had a very personal response to one of the songs this weekend. Okay. So you and I were texting a lot on Saturday for reasons related to Multiversity Comics. And (laughs) I was telling you, I was kind of venting to you about how I was home alone with my newborn son, I wouldn't stop crying. Yeah. And it was this nightmare meltdown situation. And I had put this album on when he was asleep to give it a good listen. And he just would not go through. And I was at my peak frustration, I looked up at the computer screen, and the song Baby Sucks was on, sucks. and it was like just perfect time. I laughed out loud. I was like, right now, yes, he does. Like I yes. was, it was very much like uh oh, someone in the universe understands me, you know, yeah. type feeling. song so it doesn't really resonate with me all that much it's not a bad song like you said it just doesn't really stand out to me but in that one moment it was it, it was very uh I, I felt a deep connection to the band sure <laughs> for yeah. that for that one brief shining moment <laughs> um is there any other aspect of the album you want to talk about
1: no i think that's good i i think i just um you know i I I don't think that this is one their strongest album, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm not sure how it will fare at the end of the year, but I I did want to give um sort of a shout out to a local band that I think has done good. So, um glad I got to do that.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I'm, I'm glad I listened to it. And I would like to seek out some of their older stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, um There's a really interesting quote I quote I read. uh, What's the lead singer's first name again? Channy. Channy. From her saying that she felt like this album was her last chance.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
0: And she said like that this was like she wanted to make this perfect because she didn't know if she'd have another opportunity to make an album like this. And I found that really really interesting. And uh, I'm actually kind of stalling at this moment because I'm between two albums. That I'm going to for me to pick for next time. Okay. And one of them very much directly relates to that idea. Ooh, I like uh, that. So, okay. So I'll go with that one then. So, yeah. um, I, I, you know, I'm always looking for a way to connect what you pick to what I pick. So I decided to pick an album by a band that's from New Jersey. That's specifically from my region of New Jersey, the region <laughs> that, that I was, that I was born in, which is a little bit, uh, North or rather, uh, Southeast of here, I'm a little bit northwest from where I was born, and uh, the band is called the Wrens.
1: Ah, yes.
0: Are you familiar with the Wrens? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, the album is called the Meadowlands, mm-hmm. which is the album, uh, maybe my favorite album of the 21st century, or or, or close to it at least. And uh, this is an album that uh, the birth of it is, is quite fraught, and they, there was a record label that had uh, invested a lot of money in them and wound up then not working out for them. And a lot of this album is about uh kind of your expectations, not being met and people wanting ridiculous things of you. And it kind of felt like at the time that this was the Wren's last shot too. Ah. And the album took five years to make. And since then, this was really the album was released in 2003 and they have not released another album since. There is an album that is completed that is waiting to be released now, but then Charles Bissell, the leader of the band, was diagnosed with cancer at the end of the last year. And they they have not made any statements about when the album's gonna come out. His his cancer seems treatable but serious. Uh-huh. And so, um, you know, it it's sort of extra poignant to me that this might wind up being I hope it's not. I really hope that he's fine. But it, it, it sort of puts a little bit more gravity on this, this album with such a difficult birth, and the next one seemed to be even more difficult and made while well, all the band members held down full-time jobs like on weekends, and at night they would record the next album. And this album was recorded partially when they were still an active band in the sense of it was their day job, but then about halfway through making this album they all had to get day jobs again, and the album was sort kind of completed kind of ha- haphazardly. And, uh, so I think there's an interesting kind of connection there between, um, feeling like it's your last chance versus feeling like this is your big break and then it turning out to maybe be your last chance. Yeah. So that is my pick for next time.
1: Oh, that sounds great.
0: The Metal by the Wrens. So, um, pause the podcast, go listen to it and we'll be back before you know it. Hey kids, do you like comics? Do you like in-depth interviews with your favourite creators and interesting discussion about the medium? Do you enjoy different accents? Then chances are you're really going to like Orbital in Conversation. It's the podcast of Orbital Comics in Central London where we bring you the best and the brightest in comics and we do it all with a bit of fun, a bit of style, and a bit of panache. You can find us here on the Multiversity Comics Network every week. Welcome back to Input Output. So we've had a week with The Meadowlands by The Wrens. Uh, it's an album that I have a whole lot to say about uh, for a variety of reasons, as I kind of alluded to last week. Uh, Vince, this is an album that you are familiar with, but uh, perhaps not as familiar with as, as I am. Uh, what what was sort of your opinion on the album going in or your 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 relationship with the album going into this?
5: um
0: well, if you know anything about me
1: uh, and I think we've talked about this before i I'm a huge f- mark for like um, uh, female singers and like electro pop but mm-hmm. but if you go beyond that, like my next big weakness, I think are these sort of like, Emo is a bad term, okay? Mm-hmm. But, like, bands like American foot You know American football? I do. Yeah.
3: Honestly, I can't remember
1: there's like this there's something like inherently nostalgic feeling about it. Uh, with a lot of like reverb and like like just emotional singing where like it's not always technically good, but there's it's guttural, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh just a lot of interesting like shimmery guitar work, you know? Um, and 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 uh like kind of sounds like it well well I mean we'll get into this but the Ren sounds very There the metal lands sounds very homemade, you know, Mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. Yes. But like that is my next biggest weakness, I think. So like I'm already I was already predisposed to liking this album. I mean, I was already familiar with it, Mm -hmm. but returning to it was such a treat um, because I I absolutely love it and I love its sound and people complain about the production of this album. Fuck those people. I know. Right. Right. But I've learned that because I've done like some reading about this. Like people are like a lot of uh, reviews or like retrospectives that I've read about it are like, you know, the production's a little shaky, but that's part of its charm. Well, I actually think it sounds great. Like, yeah. that's what I want a band to sound like. I want them to sound like what they sound like, you know? Yeah. So like, I, I, I mean, I love that. This. this is like my ideal sound um for a uh for a guitar band, you know mm-hmm. um uh, so yeah, what was the question
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this is sort of your relationship with the album going into it, so
1: yeah, 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 I mean, I was already familiar with it it's it's from a genre that I really cherish, but um, man, just going back to it, it's like this should obviously be one of my favorite albums, you know, I mean, this will be in my top fifty or whatever mm-hmm. um it's it's so great,
0: yeah. Uh, this came out, I was, uh, I, I don't know when in 2003 it came out, like, uh, you know, in that year. I could probably look it up, but it doesn't really matter. It's September, which, September. which it's a very fall sound. That's
1: another thing, like... It's very autumnal, yeah. It's an autumnal a- album, which I would say the same thing about, like, American football and yes. and bands of this ilk. They sound like they should be listened to when the leaves are falling off the trees yes. and it's dying.
0: So this would have come out my first full month of my senior year of college. That's so, big it was a very formative time for me and I I bought the album. I want to say it was less than a month old when I bought it. so I I've been a fan of this album for a long time. Now let's just back up here. So the Wrens are from New Jersey and not just from like the state I'm from, their home base still is in Teaneck, New Jersey, which is where my wife was born, where both my mother and father grew up <laughs> and seven minutes from where I grew up, like as a kid. So, um, I know exactly where these guys are from. The Meadowlands is this area of uh marshland, slash uh, the Hackensack River, slash uh what used to be Giant Stadium, now MetLife Stadium. It's this, I was
1: gonna say, isn't that where the
0: (laughs) yes, it is, and so it's this, um. It's actually a great book that Charles Bissell of the Wrens recommended on uh, in an interview once, and I emailed him to thank him for it. A book called "The Meadowlands" about a guy from this area who actually canoed through the Meadowlands. It's a fascinating book, um, but very like, very much a specific to this region. You know, I, I don't know if if a dude from Minnesota would read that book and be like, "Oh, this is this is interesting." But to me, it was <laughs> very very interesting. But the Meadowlands itself is this area that's very much shrouded in kind of lore. Um, the rumor for years is that. That's where Jimmy Hoffa's body is. Mm-hmm. It was in the Meadowlands. Um, this guy who wrote the book heard a rumor that the uh, that pieces of the original Penn Station in New York, when it was demolished, were put in the Meadowlands. He actually found them. That's true. They were oh, dumped wow. there years later. And it's this kind of marshy. Uh, you know, it's kind of like a wasteland. There's not. Aside from the commerce that's been built up there, there's not much in the Meadowlands. And I think that is a perfect title for this album, which is about, I mean, it's about so many things, but it's about sort of, uh, you know, making the most of the opportunities that you've been given and kind of looking back on some regrets. And to me, the just the idea of this murky marsh as a title really is a nice, a nice title for the album. Um, but this took seven years from the... Last Wren's full length album, Secaucus, which is also the name of a town in New Jersey. Uh- <laughs> Came out in 97. This came out in 2003, and so I was not familiar with the Rens because 97. I was just getting into 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 like my own music, you know, getting away from my parents. I was 15, and I was just starting to listen to some punk rock and some other stuff. But I had not heard the Rens, so I I came to this band as if they were a new band in 2003, and uh, my friend Ed from college, who was my musical compatriot guy, who we were always talking about records together. We had a radio show together. I don't know which of us found this album first, but it quickly became like collectively our favorite record of that year, and we listened to it just all the time. Um, it was recorded in this this home in New Jersey over the course of four years. And have you read it all about the making of the album? I did, yeah, yeah. It's just really weird. Like they recorded drum tracks, and then <laughs> like just would refuse to get rid of them. So they'd be recording on like four-year-old drum tracks that weren't perfect. I mean, they were perfect to the band, but not you know technically perfect songs. Uh, and they, you know, these tape machines would just constantly break, and it was really like harrowing recording of an album they said oh we'll never make another album that way and well spoiler alert they're finishing that album right now the second one they haven't released an album since the meadowlands and they're still tinkering with that uh, 13 <laughs> years later so you know this is just kind of how they work i guess but it is very homemade and it sounds like it in a very very good way um but let's let, let's sort of cut the shit what's what's a song or two that really stand out to you
1: Oh man, um well I I kind of want to talk about the last song first. Okay. Um, this is not what you had planned. Mm-hmm. Uh which is interesting because that's kind of that <laughs> sounds like it could be about um the making of the album. Yeah. But I I I love that song first of all. It's very short. Mm-hmm. It's like a minute and a half or something. And uh and I think it's the if it's not the only track with piano on
0: it. It's the most prominent piano. It's the certainly. most prominent one. Yeah, I mean
4: Just like every stand This is not what you had planned
1: or a band ends an album with a piano Mm -hmm. track it's really it's this weird like thing that I have um The Tallest Man on Earth does it on his second album and he would later use more piano in his music going forward but on his second album he I mean normally it's like he's he's picking at a guitar in a very folk style but then on the last track he plays this really epic piano uh ballad That's
4: what we've done
3: As we're still kids on the run
1: what this reminds me of and i'm just such a like sucker for when bands do that Mm -hmm. because it's very like i feel like it puts a capper on everything and it's something different it's very there's like closure to it and that's how the song sounds too um and and the 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 lyrics i mean i could just read read them to you right now uh something isn't just quite how you planned something isn't just like it ever seemed this is not what you had planned but baby, don't you even know what's right, but babe, got to have something, something right. This is not what you had planned. That's it. Yeah. You know? And, and it
0: screamed, too. <laughs> yes,
1: and he, he screams it. Like, he's just jamming on this, oh, my God, it's, I, I love that song. Like, I, I listened to this album a bunch, maybe like 10 times, you mm-hmm. know, in the last week. And every time I would get something different out of the album, mm-hmm. but every time that song hit me with like maximum impact.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's interesting because the song that hits me every time, or at least the song that, that hit me every time until this most recent kind of run through of it uh, is the track right before that 13 months and six minutes. Well, that's great too. Yeah. Yeah. First of all, there are, there are two singers in the band. There's uh, Charles and Kevin and Charles sings the sort of more whispered things and Kevin sings the more emotional, kind of shouty things, you know. And so Kevin sings, this is not what you had planned. But Charles sings 13 uh, Months and Six Minutes. And that song just kind of tells the story of a relationship. Uh, it begins, like, at a, at a party. And, uh, and then it kind of goes through this relationship that, again, took 13 months. And it's just this really... Um, I mean, first of all, what I like about the song, I, I love that there's two singers. Uh, so, so many of my favorite, favorite bands have multiple vocalists. But I feel like each vocalist very much evokes their own their own feel with certain things. And the Charles stuff is more whispered and more laid back. And his vocals really kind of blend into the mix and become... Like another instrument in a way where it's not so out in front, whereas Kevin's songs, the vocals are really in your face. And so you could listen to this song a hundred times and never really care about what the lyrics are about because they don't stand out in that way, I guess. You know, uh, does that make sense? Yeah. Track of vocals and I love that that riff. It's uh, like you said before. It's kind of covered in reverb, and it's it's just a really pretty pretty song. And then at the end of the song, it kind of goes off on this weird, uh, like, um, it's like a weird coda to it, weird tag to it, where the drums come in a little bit louder. heard the album, I remember I wasn't like, looking at a CD track listing. I was like, oh, this is a great way to end the album. And then this is not what you had planned started. and like, oh no, this is a great way to end yeah. the album. You know, it's yeah. a really, really nice one-two punch at the end of the record.
1: Yeah, it really is. Um, and speaking of those drums, like, I, 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 I kind of understand why they were obsessed with these drum tracks because um, yeah, they're not perfectly executed, I guess. But they work i i think they're great yeah. i mean i think they st- that that's one thing about this type of band um the drums aren't usually so prominent i don't think mm-hmm. but but boy you really they, they they really sing on this thing
0: i think it doesn't hurt for me that the drummer looks exactly like one of my cousins <laughs> He has, he has like that early 40s uh Dude with a Camaro haircut, like just he reminds me so much of my cousin Chad. It's creepy, um, but and that's actually one of the things I feel like for me is very special about the album too. Is I feel like this is an album made by people who aren't too dissimilar to me. And as a musician, you know, and I say musician kind of loosely, you know, I haven't played in an active band more than a couple times a year. In you know, geez, close to. Thirteen or fourteen years now, but I, uh, I I still really kind of consider myself a musician. And the idea of these guys like, having day jobs and recording the record at night and being just average Joes—that really appeals to me as a, as a as a as a fellow musician. I, I like that. That is the polar opposite of why I think I liked music when I was a kid. Like you know, you want to see your rock stars be larger than life and all that. And I feel like as a you know, as a guy in his mid thirties, I I look at this as much more aspirational than I could ever look at Roger Daltrey or Freddie Mercury. I can never be those guys. I could, I could be a guy in the Wrens, kind of, you know what I mean? Like I really like the sort of realness of it. Yeah. Um, One of the songs that really stood out to me, this listen through is uh 13 grand. It's a really, really pretty song. And it has this, this melody line, in the chorus that really, really stands out, and it has these really cheesy fake strings on it <laughs> um which I is one of those things like doing the reading about the album, they mentioned the sort of cheesiness of the strings, and I never really thought about it, and now you listen back to it like oh no that yeah, I, I definitely see what they mean that's not the best uh that's not the best you know sound they could have found, but I think that like so many of the sounds in this album they just nothing sounds out of place at that makes-
1: songs are pretty. I think they're or I think they're all pretty songs, mm-hmm. you know? Like Yeah. The, the the guitar is so pretty. It's so like I don't know, patient and mm-hmm. and uh it it builds, you know? And yeah. I think that's true on this song. Um
0: Yeah. Yeah, the uh, and it's interesting cuz when the guitars aren't pretty, they're intense and they're in your face. they go back and forth between that quite a bit um but this song in particular the uh i don't know why the the chorus speaks to me so much but the lyrics are uh, is this real at all you're not so sure it's easy now because you're safe can't change your mind and for some, for some reason that that couplet really speaks to me mm-hmm. uh it just it's it, it's very much a uh it's the type of lyrics that I love, where you could you can read so much into it. I'm sure it was written for a very personal reason, but to me, that's that means something very, very unique and personal to me. And I wonder if uh, if other folks feel that way as well with with these lyrics. But I think on the album, a lot there's a lot of lyrics that that sound very specific, but I don't. That doesn't deter from my enjoyment of them.
1: Yeah, no that that's a that's a good point because. Um... There's a lot of lyrics on this album about like that are clearly about like failed relationships mm-hmm. that are very specific. They use like specific points in time, you know, even specific or,
0: names at certain points. Yeah,
1: specific names, yeah, and yet, especially paired with the type of sort of um, longing, nostalgic, kind of autumnal music mm-hmm. behind it, it it very much places you in a similar time in your own life if you had one you right. know. like it's always it's always paired with um it these specifics are always paired with very universal feelings
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know like um s- stuff about you know that there's there's uh there's a line in i think 13 months and six minutes about um a, par- a party that you left, you know or whatever mm-hmm. or the first slow dance just ends or whatever. You know, th- these these are all things that you've experienced even though they might be talking about something specific um it's something that you can tap into because everybody has these sorts of experiences, I think, you know. Most yeah. Do.
0: Yeah. Um the uh we talked about the last song on the album, but I want to talk about the first song too. Uh, the house that Gilt built, and this is sung by their drummer actually, uh, who was the only member of the band who had really moved away by the time this made this was made. He lived in Southern New Jersey, and would have to drive up for the sessions. And I don't know. They just kind of credit all the songs to the band, so you can't tell who wrote what. So I don't know if he wrote these lyrics for himself or if somebody else wrote them. But again, it's it's just as short as the last song. <laughs> And I'm nowhere near where I dreamed I'd be. I can't believe what life's done to me. I feel like everybody can relate to that. Uh You know, all of us had dreams or aspirations or just ideas about where our lives would take us. And I'm not saying that as a sad person. I'm just saying that as, you know, I think there's a lot of bits about my life that I wouldn't have guessed 10 years ago. I couldn't have guessed 10 years ago, you know. And I really like that... um, I really like the way that's, I can't believe what life's done to me. I don't know if it's supposed to be a sad statement or not, but I really like it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess I read it as a sad statement because, um, so much of this album is about, uh, failures and regrets and things like that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess, you know, but you're right that you don't necessarily have to read it that way. You know? Um, it could just as easily be about uh, just the failure of expectations, right. you know, whether it's positive or negative. Um, I feel like it has to be negative just because of the tumultuous uh, history of the band and the recording, right. you know, but that doesn't mean you have to read it that way. And I think I think that's what makes this album universal, you know?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Um,
1: yeah, it's it's kind of amazing the, the the history that went into this album, and then what came out on the other end is like something that I could very easily call one of one of the best albums of all time. I would honestly say that. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I feel like I'm gushing about it, but I,
0: I I'm love right there song. with you. I said it's my favorite album of the 21st century. I think. Yeah. So I'm I'm right there with you. Um, the other song I really wanted to talk about was "This Boy Is Exhausted." which I, I had listened to this song for probably 10 years before I really dug into the lyrics of it. And so just to, to backtrack for those who don't know, the the Wrens were signed for their first two records to a label called Grass Records. And Grass Records wanted to develop them into this huge kind of platinum rock band. And when they decided to not do that, they were dropped by Grass Records. Grass Records subsequently signed a band they felt would do that. That band was called Creed, and they changed their name to Wind Up Records. And All right. So the Wrens were essentially being groomed to be Creed, and they said, fuck it, we're not going to do that. And so then after that happened, there was a major label that was courting them, and they kept having them record new songs and then say, oh, I don't hear a hit, go back and do it again. And they weren't paying them for it. They were, making, they were expecting to do this out of their own pocket. And sort of at their wit's end, they wrote this boy is exhausted, and they played it for the A their AR guy in a room. And the guy at the end of the hearing had said, Fuck you, I don't like you either, and walked out of the room. Because <sighs> it's it's kind of a uh, you know, it, it's it's saying to the guy, like, you know, we're exhausted, we're doing this all for free, and this is not fair.
3: Uh-huh. And it's a fine like.
0: I, just, I, I think it's such a great song, and I think that it, at the end of it, it win, they they win.
1: Yeah, that's that's one of the more hopeful parts of this record, actually. That that sort of last line, because um, every win on this record's hard won, you know. Isn't that like, a great line? Oh, it's great! It's great, and it's especially when you know the history. I mean, it's a great line without that history, and then when you consider that they'd worked on this for four years, and you know. Mm-hmm it may not have turned out perfect but but they did it their way you know mm-hmm. at stubbornly and tumultuously and it really did work out so um yeah that's kind of a, one of the more triumphant parts yeah of all this
0: yeah um you know it's it's an album too that i feel like if you if you we talked about this uh i don't know if this was on the air or off the air a few weeks ago about how both of us tend to like shorter albums and yeah, uh, this I, is this is a long album
1: it is yeah but it yeah. doesn't
0: feel like to me when you're listening to it It doesn't feel like oh i've been i've been living with this album for over an hour now or close to an hour right mm-hmm. now i think it's like 55 minutes or so i'll check that in a minute but you know, it, it doesn't feel that way to me. It feels like an album that, that moves along. But I think that each song, I mean, some of the songs are, the average song length is pretty it's pretty long, actually. Um, but I feel like they, all, they don't stay in one place for very long. And the songs all tell these really good stories, and they, they bring you someplace. And so the album doesn't feel long in the way that I think other albums of their ilk probably do feel long hmm Um did the length did you notice it? Did it affect you?
1: No, not at all. I uh you know, I I I do prefer shorter albums, but when when they're an all time great or an all time fave, you just you just don't yeah. notice
0: it, you know? <laughs> yeah, the album's is thirteen tracks and fifty seven minutes, but two of the tracks are under like a minute and a half long. Mm-hmm. So the uh the shortest song besides those first two is like three and a half minutes. But, you know, a number of them go over the five-minute mark. And then 13 months and six minutes is just 10 seconds shy of being seven minutes long. So you know, there are some, some longer songs there. But like you said, I think when the songs are this strong and the performances are this strong, you don't really notice it. Right. Um, is there uh, Are there other parts of the album you want to talk about? Or are, you, are you feeling pretty satisfied?
1: Um, I guess uh, there's probably just one more song I wanted to mention. Mm-hmm. Um and that uh she sends kisses. Mm-hmm. I love the guitar on that one, especially the intro yeah uh, I don't know how to describe it, I guess, so I don't know if you want
0: to drop like oh, I'll, I'll drop it don't worry get in there, yeah. you know. <laughs> that nice accordion sound yes thank you. Yes, did yes. you did you read about that accordion sound I didn't read about
1: it but I noticed it and um, I'm glad you brought it up because I probably wouldn't have mentioned it but I love that they added that in there but I want you to tell me what
0: okay so supposedly they were saying that they had this old guitar synthesizer so you plug the guitar into this thing and they set it to sound like an accordion and it kept breaking down when they were doing it but they were stubborn about it they wanted to get the sound right so they used it only to realize, not to realize, they knew it before, but they knew there was an accordion in the next room. But for some reason, they wanted to do it with this weird guitar synthesizer. Mm -hmm. But to me, it sounds so much like a real accordion that I don't know if a real accordion would have improved the sound or not. Yeah, right. (laughs) But I don't know why. And um, there's a great interview that uh, I think it's Stereo Gum did, like a a retrospective on the album 10 years later. And uh, Will Sheff from Oakerville River said that, like, everything he hears about them recording sounds like his nightmare. <laughs> and, like, that's <laughs> a perfect example. It's like, you know, instead of just recording an accordion part, they have to, like, use this outdated, old, shitty piece of equipment to get a sound that sounds like an accordion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I like that.
0: But, yeah, but that that the guitar and the accordion sound so great together on the beginning of that song.
1: Yes. Yeah, I love that intro. Um, and... I I don't know if this is going to make sense, but like it had been a while since I'd listened to this record, Mm -hmm. like literally probably five or six years, you know, probably caught when I was in college Okay, was the last time. And I wasn't sure what I was going to remember of it. But when I heard that intro, there was some sort of like psychic connection or like sense, you know, Uh that immediately brought me like, that was my touchstone to getting back and saying, like, yes, I am familiar with this album, and I am intimately familiar with this soundbite. Okay. Do you, do you know that feeling? Absolutely. Like, yeah. Yeah, like it's it's almost like muscle memory. Yeah, but
0: it, you it, like r- it like rushes your brain back to where you were when you heard it or whatever the case may be. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I just wanted to mention the song because I don't have anything else to say about it except for that intro. Just. Rushed me back to the, to listening to this album all those years ago.
0: I actually uh, I want to talk. You know, I feel like uh, in the past I haven't talked a lot about lyrics of mm-hmm. the albums I've picked, but the, I, I I absolutely adore the lyrics on this uh, on this record. And the last uh, stanza of "She Sends Kisses," I just want to talk about. So, "She Sends Kisses" and all at once back doors blow open. She sends kisses in an envelope stamped with hope and hearts ripped right open she sends kisses but i'm corrupt i write back good luck <laughs> i mean that's just heartbreaking and wonderful yeah it's just you know they're so evocative these lyrics they really bring you someplace mm-hmm. and uh yeah i am i can't tell you how excited i am about the prospect of a new renz album <laughs> yeah um, but, you know, i hope it happens yeah I, mean, I, br- I briefly mentioned this last time uh charles bissell who is one of the two main songwriters? He is battling a, a relatively rare form of cancer. He says he's going to be okay. He actually posted about it on the band's Facebook page a few weeks ago. And um, he uh, he seems optimistic about the album. And he, I follow him on Twitter. And he was just somebody asked him when the Metal Lands is coming back out on vinyl because it's out of print on vinyl right now. And he says, Oh, it'll happen right after the new one happens. So he mm. seems like he's, you know, he feels like it's pretty confidently happening. And I know they signed a a, a deal with a label to release it. Oh, nice. They made, a big, they made a big post about that when it happened. But again, they're, every year since then, they've been like, the record's coming out this year. So <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of giving up hope on it until I actually have it in my grubby little hands. But uh, I, you know, obviously we, we, we wish Charles the best. And I, I said this to Vince off air last week. The Wrens represent one of my great regrets in life. They were doing a show, and they put out on their website – this is probably back in 2004, 2005, if not even 2000 – it must have been around that time – that they were doing something at shows called The Fifth Wren, where they would – you could write in, and if you played piano or could play a little bit of piano, they would give you some parts to play on two songs. And I was – I wrote in, and I was going to play piano on two songs with them live, and I got sick, and I couldn't make it. Uh And uh, how cool would that have been? yeah. I the have... same
1: the same thing happened with me and Paul McCartney. Yeah, yeah, just... I know.
0: <laughs> well, it's actually it's, it's it's funny. Um I gotta think of the name of the band now. Um when I was in college, I went to a concert at Carnegie Mellon University, and it was this band Mosquitoes that I really liked. But there was another band opening for them, and it was um oh, I'm gonna it's gonna drive me crazy. But anyway, I'll tell the story now. I'm looking up the name of the band as uh as I'm, as I'm telling the story So they were playing the headlining band And they asked if anybody wanted to Wanted to get up and play an instrument And I, I wasn't particularly keen on it Until this girl came up and said she wanted to sing Hey by the Pixies Hey! Ben
2: trying.
0: Bass player was like, I don't know the, how to play that. And I was like, I do. It was, um Clem Snide. The the oh. Band. And so I got up and I played Hey with like half a Clem Snide. And so for years when I would meet musicians, they'd be like, Hey, who have you play with? I, I used to play with Clem Snide. <laughs>
4: it's my moment in the sun. Oh how beautiful I'll be. But in a normal sort of I could I could way. say, you know, I,
0: I briefly was in the Rens as well. <laughs> nice, <laughs> for two nice. songs, but it didn't happen. So Damn. um but yeah, I, they they've pretty much they never really toured much because they all had day jobs, but they they played a lot in this area, you know. Between, like, I would say between 2003, 2009, and I just, I could never make it for whatever reason, and uh, I really hope to get to see them when the new album comes out.
1: I hope you do, too.
0: There are there are a few bands I would care more about seeing. There's only, like, three or four bands on my I-still-have-to-see-them-before-I-die list, and I'm seeing one of them, Ween, next week, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping that, you know, that the Wrens, I can check them off my list sooner than later. Um. Any other closing thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I feel pretty good about this one. Yeah. Uh, what are you going to be unleashing on us next time?
1: All right. I was um I was going to do the new Explosions in the Sky. Okay. Okay. Are you are you familiar? Yeah, absolutely. I thought I'd throw a bomb into the okay into the
0: podcast okay and
1: we're gonna do the new Weezer album.
0: I have so many thoughts on this album. <laughs> You're writing a piece about it right now.
1: I thought, well, would you rather we not do no, it? No, 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 okay. no, no. No,
0: so I'm I'm not writing about the So, okay, let me spoiler alert for those who are gonna read this article, which is probably none of you, but that's okay. Um <laughs> my article is not a review of the album. Okay. My article is that the Weezer narrative is so strong that it's impossible to accurately judge one of their new albums. Hmm. And so that's yeah, and so I think that that I don't mind talking about the album. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to talk to us about this stuff, um, please tweet at us. I'm actually hoping to get some uh, some more input output tweeters soon because I, I love talking music. Obviously, um, you can tweet me at Brian needs a Knapp.
1: You can tweet me uh, at VJ underscore O S T R O W S K I, and also friend me on Mitomo nintendo mitomo should i
0: should i join mitomo
1: i don't know it's silly but should <laughs> I, I join th- it sure
0: okay I, i'll listen to you
1: walt from multi. well yeah s- sometimes from multiverse no he's
0: always from multiverse he's 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 part of our board of directors
1: fair enough that's yeah. yes yes he and i goof around on there so yeah I Send, call, Sending I, Illuminati messages and things like that.
0: So. I always call Walt my consigliere at Multiversity. He, I, I consult him with everything. So. Sure. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, a, a student at the Antonin Scalia School of Law. <laughs> I'm not joking. His school renamed themselves no, that. Yeah.
1: Yep. I'm aware. It's the Ass Law School. They just
0: changed the name today. Nice. So, they changed it from Ass Law. Now it's something else. Oh. I know it's like the Antonin Scalia Law School now. So, it's not... It doesn't spell out ass anymore.
1: So now it's age, sex, location.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, go to multiversity Check us out on our other podcast, the DC three cast, as well as, uh, when I trick Vince into reviewing movies and <laughs> other things like that. So, uh, until next time, uh, good night. These boys are exhausted. <laughs>
3: Ahh!